Welcome in to another episode of the It's You Taz World Podcast. Tom Hackett, normally joined by Steve Bartle. Steve's not with us. Trevor Allen, T-Dog, is with us. Former, I shouldn't say former, what am I talking about? Current. I've never played football. No, I know, I know. I, know. Uh, I nearly said like former colleague, I, I know, which is, I guess, technically true because you were at 700 when I was there, but current colleague and fellow peer of mine at kslsports.com. He is the Utah insider for kslsports.com, um, which is very exciting. So we're, we're thrilled to have to have Trevor on. Steve is, is, is out, so we look forward to his return, whenever that may be. Before we get into things, and we have a, we have a fun show. NetWeight Subaru is, of course, our sponsor. We do greatly appreciate them. 2107 South Main Street is where you can find them. They've, uh, they've also got a website, netweight.com. And and you can you can you can get anything you need done on the website. You don't have to go down to the dealership. So check out the website um, and and see if if they can help you. But if you do need to go down to the dealership, wear a mask, stay socially distant, and and please respect others. But but without Nate Wade Subaru, this podcast would not be would not be doable. So we love and adore and thank them very very much. All right, Trev, on this show, this is what I want to talk about. We've got transfer gossip and news that we need to get to. Quinton Ganther, former running back for the U, he's headed to Jacksonville to join forces with Urban Meyer. Trev had the insight on that. He broke the story, so we'll touch on that. EA Sports is coming back with the new college football game. Um, And we'll start with a recap of of yesterday's National Signing Day, Trev, because that's kind of your bread and butter. So fill us in on, on what all took place. By the way, hey, I need to quickly say Crimson Corner podcast is another podcast on KSL Sports that you ought to check. Trevor Allen's the host there. Trevor, it's all yours. Uh, yeah, it was a very uneventful day because Kyle Whittingham and his coaching staff did all of the damage uh, back in December in the early signing period. I mean, really all, all they did was announce that there were four guys that they picked up via the transfer portal, which I'm sure you and Steve have talked about extensively on here with the uh, two quarterbacks and two running backs. Um, and then, you know, there, there were some other moves that happened as well, um, e- either on that Tuesday or on Wednesday. Uh, Brian Thompson is gone, uh, chose to enter the portal. And then uh, Jalen Dixon, who entered the portal during camp last year, is now coming back. He took his name out of the portal and has already joined the team and is doing workouts and all that stuff right now. So, uh, yeah, that was the only news. I mean, really, the only thing that was puzzling, and I think Steve would probably know this better than I do because that is his main bread and butter is all the recruiting, is Michael Mocafisi, the Woods Cross kid. Um, he, he, you know, verbally committed just before the early signing period, didn't sign during the early signing period, and didn't sign on National Signing Day on Wednesday. So, that one I'm, I'm kind of curious, but then, uh, you know, obviously some walk-ons um, committed as well and signed. And then uh, Utah got a, a blue shirt kid um, who was an athlete. He'll probably play safety in uh, Bryant Reeves. So other than that, it's been, it was a very uneventful national signing day for Utah football. Nice. Hey, so um, like you mentioned, they did most of the damage um, during the early signing period uh, in December. Uh the only real thing I have to add is I was speaking to a player not long ago. It must've been last week briefly. And he was saying, uh, Peter Costelli is, uh, is, is somebody to, to keep an eye on. Now this player was telling me that 
that the chances of, of Costelli starting at quarterback in, in 2021 slim. And, and for obvious reasons, Cam Rising's going to return in full camp. And you've got Charlie Brewer from Baylor, who's a, a four-year starter and a grad transfer. And then uh, Jaquinton Jackson from Texas, who's who I think is also more of more of a um, developmental product right now. He's got a few kinks in his game that he needs to sort through, but but he's somebody that they could potentially use in 2021. Nonetheless, Peter Costelli was was the second fastest player, Trev, on the Utah football team as it relates directly to the shuttle drills that they conducted. They did testing a few weeks ago, um, and wow. this is normal. They normally will test players at different periods throughout the year, but but they were testing a few weeks ago. Peter Costelli is, is a quarterback. He's a four-star talent. He can sling it, um, but he's also very dynamic with his feet. Uh, and he's a tall fella as well. He's 6'3", yeah. 6'3". So to, to hear that he's um, outrunning some of the younger guys, some of the um, the faster, the younger, smaller guys, play defensive back, wide receiver type of thing, that's very impressive, Trev. So he's, a, he's an athlete to keep an eye on moving forward, I'd say. Yeah, he, he's definitely a name that we're going to be talking about. And, and as you mentioned, probably not in 2021. Um, he would have to really blow the doors off of the, the, the uh, coaching staff in order for him to be able to be in contention for that. But I think um, it's going to be critical of him to really hone in and just take everything in of what he's going to be learning from Andy Ludwig, from Cam Rising, from Charlie Brewer, from all of those guys. Because come, you know, say his sophomore, junior year, we're going to be talking about him, you know, you know, being in, in the mix for that starting job. I mean, I'm guessing Cam's going to be here for at least three years. Um, and, you know, Charlie Brewer, I think, is that emergency quarterback that, that, that you use if the healing of Cam Rising doesn't go as planned right now. At, from what I've seen, I know his dad, I think, tweeted out, you know, a couple weeks ago that he is on schedule and actually head of schedule, um, but still is not going to be able to do anything until fall camp. So I, I think that it, it's – I mean, really, Utah's set for a while at quarterback um, because they're – you know, obviously Peter's in there. You've got J.J., um, the, the uh, Texas transfer, and then um, they even got a, a, a verbal commitment from a kid in the 2022 class in, in J.P. Zamora. So I think Utah's set at quarterback for a long, long time. And this is something, Tom, that we normally don't talk about is that Utah's set at quarterback. We're always talking about – making potential changes. And I know that in, in 2020, we had that issue when Jake Bentley um, wasn't playing well at times and it, and it led to him being benched in that last game and Drew List came in and, and saved the day. And so um, I, I think that, that this is probably the first time in the Pac-12 era that Utah football is actually very solid at quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there, Trev. The, the quarterback position is one that, requires a lot of conversation uh, because it is the most important position on any football team, but it's also a position that over the years, whether you like it or not, Carl Whittingham has just, he's had a hard time figuring out how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. Um, I thought Tyler Huntley did a tremendous job during his career, specifically the longer it went on at Utah, but, but even still, look, he struggled with injury Um and part of that you can't control, but part of it you can. You've, you know, you've got to make sure that what you're doing throughout any given week during the season is 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 good and and not too tiresome. 
Um, so it'll be an interesting conversation, but I, I'm with you. I think Utah's looking pretty solid right now at the quarterback spot. Hey, let's let's carry conversation forward. I, I received a handful of text messages, Trev, a few days ago when um, Utah's beloved wide receiver, Brian Thompson, decided he was going to go into the transfer portal. What can you tell us about the decision to enter the transfer portal from, from Brian Thompson? Well, once you got text messages, you obviously texted me. And then that was when I sent out a few text messages to my, to my sources as well. And, you know, at first it wasn't looking like that, that was, that it really happened. And then as, as the day progressed, I got a text from a source saying that, um, you know, he did talk to Kyle Whittingham and that it looked like he was going to be leaving. Um, obviously it's, it's a big time hit for the offense. Um, he's a guy who is a deep ball threat. He's a taller body. Um, but the problem is Tom, and you know, this just as well as I do, Utah is a tight end running back heavy offense. And that's where those players shine. And, you know, we, we saw spurts from Brian Thompson in 2019. He had some great games. Tyler Huntley had a great connection with him. I think he averaged like what, 25 yards per catch in 2019, which was, I think it led the nation or was top two. And, you know, in, in 2020, you could kind of tell just by his body language that either A, he wasn't healthy, or B, he was very frustrated with how he was being used within the offense because Britton Covey was getting used. Um, and then, you know, Brant Keithy, even though he didn't score a touchdown, was uh, number two on, on Utah's uh, stats as far as receiving goes. And, you know, Brian Thompson just really wasn't seen other than that one touchdown against Washington. He really wasn't a force, you know, to be reckoned with or anything. And so I think that that, you know, played a factor in where he wanted to go. And, you know, especially when you're having to change quarterbacks again, because Bentley obviously went into the portal and, and Cam's coming off of an injury and you're bringing in two more quarterbacks and, you know, you have to gain chemistry again. So I think it, it just added up, Tom, and to, to the point. And, you know, I haven't talked to, to Brian Thompson or anything. I'm more just just from what I've seen from my vantage point from 2020 is that he just had enough and he, he wants to be more involved within the offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you, I, I think. Um, so, so I copped a bit of slack, actually, because I said and, – and, and, again, I, I'm okay if people disagree with me. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me a ton. But I, I, I went ahead and said Brian Thompson's the best wide receiver Utah's had in the Pac-12 era, which – is up for debate, you know, and, and I guess we could debate all day as to whether or not that's, that's, that's accurate or not. When you look at the numbers, you'd say, well, that's not true. There are, there are other players that have played in the Pac-12 era under Carl Whittingham that produced better. Um, Darren Carrington, the, the, the Oregon transfer a few years ago, is one of them. But, but what I was trying to get at, um, and maybe, maybe people misunderstood, was just from an, from, his, from an attribute standpoint, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that Brian Thompson is an NFL-caliber wide receiver. And, 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 and only time will tell as to whether or not I'm right. But I, I do firmly believe, look, there's a reason, Trev. He had like three or four targets maximum a game. He came down with 80 90% of them. You know, and a lot of those routes are go routes up the sideline when you've got a defensive back dragging on your, your coattails and, and he's coming down making, making a pretty – Difficult catch. Um, and I think that's, that's concerning for Utah fans because uh, he, he needed to be more involved. Would you agree? Yeah, he did need to be more involved. And I would even say the same about Brant Keithy, the fact that he didn't have a single touchdown catch in the five games in 2020, 
blows my mind. Um, but it also means that there were issues within the passing game of Utah's offense. And, you know, Tom, we also couldn't predict what Ty Jordan was going to do in 2020 because going into camp, Ty was the number four running back as far as the by committee. And I, I, I do that in air quotes because it was Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, and then it was Ty Jordan and Bernard. That, those, those were the guys that, that were going to be the, the guys who were going to be getting carries in 2020. And, you know, so we also thought that it was going to be because there was a lot of veterans coming back, Brian Thompson, Samson, Nakua, Britton, Covey, Solomon Enos, those guys coming back thought that, okay, we have a veteran quarterback in Jake Bentley, which we all thought it was going to be him at first. And then things changed. You know, I would say about camp is when we all thought that, you know, it was going to be rising. And, you know, we, we obviously heard that it was him and ended up being him. But, you know, just seeing that and having that, that chemistry, we thought that the passing game was going to be ahead of the running game. And that just wasn't the case because Ty Jordan exploded. And, and it started from his first carry against USC. Then you're also getting Britton Covey more involved in different ways. So that then takes away touches from Brian Thompson. And then you're also trying to get Brant Keithy involved. Cause I know Kyle Whittingham said at least two or three times during the season that Brant Keithy needs to, needed to be involved within the offense more. And that it was something that he and Andy Ludwig had talked about a lot. So then that also takes away carries from, from Brian Thompson. So when you have an offense that doesn't throw the ball, I would say you probably throw the ball 30% of the time and you're running 70 or doing some kind of running play like jet sweep or anything like that. Then you're already given, you know, a lot of the workload as far as targets to Britton Covey and Brant Keithy, that's going to take away a ton from Brian Thompson. And then that was enough. Yeah. So I I think a lot of the frustration is coming because uh, from the fans, I should say coming from the fans, uh, simply due to the fact that last year was a team that was albeit quite young, and and I think that's a talking point in its own self, but but it also did have a lot of talented players on the offensive side. And a lot of those players were, were quite experienced. Being, Brian Thompson being one of them. Brant Keith, you mentioned, Brinton Covey. Uh, Samson Nakua and, and Solomon Enos are, are two quality receivers that, that really haven't done uh, as well as I'm sure many of the fans had once hoped. And, that, and then the emergence of Ty Jordan came into play. I mean, if you, if you just look at it on paper, now that we've had time or, or a few months to kind of digest the 2020 campaign, I mean, it, it really was a very talented group. And I think what Coach Witt has done traditionally is he's, he's singled out his players offensively that are also in, informed players. So, so Ty Jordan's running the rock well. We're going to feed that man 25-plus carries a game. As opposed to – and so what happens then is – and I guess the point I'm trying to make here is for somebody like Brian Thompson, who doesn't get the ball, the ball thrown his way a ton, but when it does get thrown, he generally comes down with the catch. If he's only getting four, reset, four, um, four looks a game, it's, it's, it's very difficult to find any sort of momentum – um, and I think that's, that's part of the frustration for Utah fans is can we, can we do a better job of, of sharing the wealth um, and becoming less predictable? Because offensively, under Carl Whittingham, traditionally speaking, it would be under my opinion that, that Utah has been a pretty, a, a pretty predictable team. And, and it's probably one of the reasons where in short yardage situations – uh, they get stuffed as frequently as they do, Trev, because because teams know what 
what they're trying to accomplish. And it's and it's run run the ball down down the guts type of thing. Um, and 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 so I think that's kind of that, that's at least my opinion when it comes to Brian Thompson is he wasn't receiving nearly as many looks as he should have, and Utah consequently was becoming too one dimensional one dimensional and predictable, uh, which shouldn't have ever been the case when you just look at the wealth of talent they had at their disposal. Um, and it's been something. Look, Carl Whittingham struggled in that area. Um, would you agree? Yeah, and Kyle's even mentioned it that you know, like for instance, that uh, game against Oregon State, where Utah was ahead, but then Oregon State was was starting to climb back into it, and Utah turned the ball over on downs twice in that fourth quarter. Luckily, the defense held off Oregon State enough. I mean, they you know still allowed points, but. There were, there were consecutive plays where it was just running the ball up the middle for three consecutive plays. And then on fourth down, you try to do the same thing. And by then, they already know what you're going to do. And Kyle Whittingham pointed out that their offense was just too vanilla and that Andy Ludwig needed to change some things up. And so I think that that was part of the reason why, you know, you look at it. Utah is very predictable where you know that they're going to run the ball 25 times. They're always going to have a solid running back no matter who's back there. And then – you'll only throw the ball whenever it's like third and long or, you know, you try to have some sort of trick play. And then on defense, they're just going to be physical and focus on stopping the run and, and, and allow the back end to do their, their job. And as far as stopping the big time plays, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Utah is very predictable offensively because now they all know that the, either the uh, tight ends are going to be involved either in the uh, throw game or as far as running plays. Britton Covey is going to be a big part of it too because of his quickness. But not only that, he's also a big time threat on special teams and it's all about the running game. So, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I, I want to say I was shocked that, that Brian Thompson entered the portal, but in, in, in all reality, I'm not because this is something that has happened a lot with a lot of the wide receivers, but Utah's had a, a lot of players transfer in 2020 anyway, just due to the fact that they either were not, made a starter or we're not going to get playing time. And so they left. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so frustrating um, to watch from afar and just see it all unfold because uh, you just get the sense that, that there are solutions to some of these issues. And it's not like these are issues and concerns that have only come up recently. I mean, this, this is, you know, struggling to throw the football is something that, that, that Utah's had such a difficult time doing for a decade now. I mean, really since Brian Thompson, Brian um, Johnson left is, is the last quarterback that, that Utah had um, a lot of success throwing the football. So it's, it's agitating and it's frustrating. I think the fans are getting pretty fed up with it, to be honest. And, and I'm under the impression, Trev, that in order, in order to, in order to take the program to the next level. Um, so to go back a little bit, I, I think, you were talking about how Coach Witt and, and Utah ha- always has a good running back and they run the football effectively. And furthermore, they play great defense. And hopefully they have a decent punter and a decent kicker on special teams to kind of bail them out when need be. And I want to admit that that theory or that method is a winning strategy. It really is. Like, like, and Coach Witt, I don't know what his overall record is, but, but i gotta, I got to imagine it's about 60 70-odd percent strike yeah. rate you know i'll, I'll which look is, it up as you're talking but yeah you're 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 around that 
which, which is like, you know, that's like he's not going to get fired anytime soon because because you can't fire somebody that wins that frequently. But but to take the program to the next level, Trevor, I, I I'm a firm believer that that you have to be able to be more explosive on on offense. You just have to. I mean, like, in today's day and age, there's there's like a certain number of points that you have to be able to consistently put up in order to hang out, hang around with the big boys in college football. And I think you and I have spoken about this off, off the record. Nick Saban's a great example of this. Nick Saban is a coach um, who, who was known and, and still is to a certain extent for his, his, his brilliant defensive mind. And he used to win national championships to the tune of 14 to 10 type thing, you know, and now you know, you look at what he was able to accomplish in 2020. They're the number one offense in the country, and they averaged 49 points a game. I'm not saying Utah needs to average 49 points a game, but but they need to average anywhere between 27 to 35. And 35 is pretty decent. 27, you, you're going to be in just about every game you play. Um, it's just very frustrating because Utah is so close to making that jump. They really are. Defensively, they're so sound. Uh, offensively, they're too one-dimensional. Did you figure out what his winning percentage is? 67%. Oh, there you go. Right, right, right kind of in the ballpark but, I was talking about. You know, about. to go off of the whole Alabama thing, they also had three, three guys that were in the top five as far as Heisman finalists. Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, and Mac Jones. Yeah, no, I know. It's... It's hard to compete. But, <laughs> I'm not but, saying, but that's also something Saban does. Saban normally has guys on defense who who could potentially be in contention for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, because I, that's his bread and butter. But you're absolutely right. Saban's kind of got with the times and changed his offense up, and that's why Sark's in Texas now. Yeah. So to move the conversation forward, to keep it flowing, uh, I want to I want to transition, start talking a bit about Jalen Dixon because this is an, an inter- interesting. Uh, and also a sad subject um, that, that we do need to be a, a tad careful with. Um, so essentially what, what happened was uh, he had, he had COVID last year is, is my understanding. And he did have a difficult time getting himself back into shape to, to, to then compete for the upcoming season. Um, and I guess his, his attitude also changed a little bit and he was starting to not work as hard as he needed to to prove himself to the rest of his teammates and coaches that he was a a reliable target on the offensive unit um he went into the transfer portal and he he decided that that physically he needs to get himself better prepared but also mentally trev he he noticed that that mentally he just wasn't wasn't quite the same person he maybe once was. Um, and so now he's returning and he's a new man. He's, 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 he's really worked hard at bettering himself from a physical and mental standpoint. And I think that's, I think that's impressive and, that, and that's exciting. And Utah welcomed him back with open arms. So, so congratulations first and foremost to Jalen Dixon for working on that. Um, and and I think Utah fans are thrilled thrilled to see him return because he is somebody that can get downfield and and make a few big plays. He, he did a great job of that in uh, what was that twenty nineteen season? Mm-hmm. I think I'm getting all the years yeah. mixed up now. But what 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 do you make of his return, Trev? And 
do you think he's somebody that, that could be a key member in, in 2021 for Utah? I thought it was massive, especially given what happened with, with Brian Thompson, what we just talked about that, yeah. you know, it, it's another threat, but on top of that, of what Dixon can do that Brian Thompson really can't do, even though Utah did it once with uh, Brian Thompson um, was using him in the run game. And, you know, to where you now have two wide receivers in Britton Covey and in Jalen Dixon, who can do the jet sweep and, you know, really gain some yards and, and kind of throw defenses off. Um, but he's also a guy who, who can catch a, a deep ball and he's a very fast wide receiver. Um, I, I think that he and Britton Covey are up there amongst the fastest in the Pac-12. Um, but that, but that's going to be huge for Utah because if, if you're going to want to open up the playbook a little bit and start throwing the ball downfield, those are going to be guys who you're going to be targeting. And so I think for him to come back, I think was, was massive, but I also get, get the sense, Tom, do you feel like a a reason why he came back was that there wasn't going to be an opportunity at, at Utah state, because I know that when he entered the portal, you and I both messaged back and forth. He's going to Utah State because he has a great relationship with Jason Shelley. But since Jason Shelley got kicked off the football team, that kind of closed his door. Yeah. Well, it's been well documented that, that Shelley and, and Dixon were high school teammates uh, back down there in Texas. And so they obviously knew each other well. And and, and since then, obviously, a lot's transpired at Utah State. It, it's been a tad chaotic, I think, is probably <laughs> the best word to use. Uh and Jason Shelley's no longer no longer at Utah State, so yeah, that had to have played some role, right? That, that that had to have had some sort of impact with with his decision to return. I, look, I also think that that for certain players, um, maybe Jalen Dixon's one of them. Maybe maybe he isn't. He he he's determined to change the narrative for Utah on the offensive side. Like if you're a true competitor. And you have talent, you know. Part of you must think that, that you're capable of of changing the the, the culture or, or or the way of the way of offensive productivity at Utah. You know, like like maybe he's returning to prove himself and to say, look, there's this stigma that Utah can't throw the football. Well, screw that. You know, I'm going to come and prove that wrong. Single handedly, going to come and and show that 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 I'm good enough to get open. And if the quarterback's good enough to see me, we're going to win a lot of games simply based on, on those two things. Um, that, that could also be part of it, which very well could be, which I think is, is, is also exciting for Utah fans. Um, hey, I want to, I want to get to this because, because you put a lot of work uh, and effort into this story, Trev, um, somebody you've gotten to know and, and somebody that, that, that I've known now for a few years, coach Q as he, as we know him by Quinton Gantha, uh, former running back at Utah, uh, long-time Weber State assistant coach. He was there for quite a few years, really. Um, he's moving to Jacksonville, Trev, to to go hang out with old pal Urban Meyer at the Jags. How did how did that happen? I mean, that's that's pretty cool to go from Weber State to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the in the National Football League. Let's just say that uh, Coach Q is probably really sick of me by now. <laughs> um, because he and I have been texting almost daily since the rumors started floating that Urban Meyer was interested in the Jacksonville job. Um, there was something that, you know, and I, I feel like I, I could say this now, especially since he already has the uh, job in, in Jacksonville, but there was a time when Urban was not coaching and 
he was really impressed with what Quinton has done at Weber State. Um, that he he told Quinton, whenever I it, he's like, if I get back into coaching again, I I want you to be my my running backs coach. And I guess he he stuck to his word as far as hiring him because right now he's not going to be the running backs coach as at least as of right now. I'm sure that that'll transpire maybe in a couple years, but right now he's going to be an offensive assistant coach. Um, but it's just an absolutely great story, Tom, because I've gotten to know Quinton. So back in April of 2020. Okay. Right right at the start of the pandemic, basically. And that was when Tom, we were all trying to get creative on, Uh on our content. And I, uh, I was talking to Sly Stevenson Sylvester, and we uh, came up with an idea to do this stream called the great Ute debate. Mm-hmm. where we had two members from the 04 team that won the Fiesta Bowl, went undefeated, coached by Urban Meyer, uh, debate with the 2008 team, two guys from there, and that was the team that won the Sugar Bowl, beat Alabama under Kyle Whittingham. Right. So we had Sly and Brian Johnson from the 08 team and Eric Weddle and Quinton Ganther from the uh, 2014 and that was when I really started to get to know Quinton. Cause then I did another stream with just the 2004 guys. We had John Madsen, um, Paris Warren, Quinton, uh, Morgan Scally. And we did have Steve Savoy until he got out of hand a little bit. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I got to know him over the time and just talking with him, I really got to know him as a person because then I also had him on the podcast to talk about his story. And Tom, here's a here's a guy who grew up in 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 the inner city in Northern California, in the Bay Area. And he was a guy that, you know, his his parents were in, in trouble with drugs and you know, constantly in and out of jail. He didn't have that stability at home. And then ends up, you know, wanting to play baseball, but then also played football, ended up going to junior college and Urban Meyer went to go recruit him and they met on, on the tennis courts at Citrus junior college. Right. And that was the whole conversation that like sparked it. Cause Quinton could have gone anywhere as far as a Juco transfer to any school on the West coast, but he had an instant connection with urban. And even though he wasn't the starting running back for Utah in 2004, he still nearly had a thousand yards rushing and had a great relationship with, with Urban the entire time, even when he went to Florida and then the, you know, the Buckeyes and then with Fox. And Quinton's a big reason why I got to interview Urban Meyer on the Crimson Corner podcast. Right. And that's still, to this day, the best interview I've ever done in my entire career. Um, yeah. But anyway, so kind of just fast-forwarding, he then becomes a student assistant coach after his career in the NFL. And... Um, he, he went back to go get his his degree at Utah in 2012. And that was, uh, and so he went to be a student assistant. It wasn't a graduate assistant. It was just a student assistant. And Jay Hill was the running backs coach. So he got to know Jay Hill and then Jay Hill got the job up at Weber and brought him over immediately to be the running backs coach. And since then Quinton's coached six running backs that have either become all Americans or all, all big sky honorees no it's impressive Um, man i mean the guy can recruit and i was talking to him on the phone let's see it was it was uh two nights ago 
it was it was his last night in Salt Lake City before he was heading to Jacksonville. And he was in tears, Tom. Because sure. he was heartbroken by having to leave his boys. Well, that season's just players. about to start, huh? Yeah, and you know, they're they're national title contenders this year. Weber State's gonna be really, really good. Yeah. And so, you know, so one but as far as him get, getting the job, it was really that Urban was uh putting his staff together, Quinton was texting him. Um and then it kind of just came to him where he just Urban called him up and said, I want you to come here. And you know, Tom, you can't pass something up when you go from Weber State to the NFL. You just can't pass that up. Yeah, quite a jump. And so um, I'm really happy for him. He's earned it because he has absolutely been one of the best running backs coaches in the entire country. But if anything, I've also gained a friend out of this and just to see what he's done um, to make this jump. I think it's massive. I mean, you don't go from being a student assistant coach right out of playing in the NFL to being a running backs coach for a a team out of the big sky to go into the NFL without having some kind of work ethic. It's, I mean, yeah, if he wouldn't have had that job, if it wasn't for urban, but the fact that he worked his butt off to gain that kind of respect. Yeah. Uh, It's a, it's a, it's a really cool story. Um, and it just so happens that, that Coach Q is one of the one of the cooler dudes going around. He's he's one of the nicer guys, uh, and he means well, and he, he wants the best for his players, and that's his his priority. Um, it's just to make sure that they're they're good and they're growing as men and they're maturing and they're making good decisions and they're playing good football. And so far, it's worked out for him. So I, I personally look, I'm 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 wrapped for him. Really, I, I think it's a it's a cracking story. Um, and one that I'm sure will be told uh, by quite a few people over the coming months and, and years and, and the immediate future. So uh, we would just personally like to thank Coach Q for his time at Weber State. Thanks for the friendship. And we, we look forward to carrying, continuing, I should say, following his journey uh, through the coaching ranks. Um, and what a world that is. But again, another time for uh, another story for another time. Hey, there was some pretty crazy news, Trev, that happened earlier this week. And I know one you're very excited about. So you're, do you consider yourself a gamer, Trev? Absolutely. And so, some might say that I am maybe, well, some might say some, meaning my wife, that maybe I game a little too much. Oh, okay. Um, Are you to like the point um, where I actually lose sleep. Um, uh, I'd rather sacrifice hours of sleep than, and play video games than sleep and not play video games. Okay, so are you like, like how hardcore are we talking? Are you like Cheeto Puffs Monster Energy Drink type status? No, 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 no. no. I'm more of a wife and, and wife goes goes to bed about ten thirty at night, uh, especially on a work night. Um, son goes to bed about eight o'clock. So when when the wife goes to bed, um, that's when I hop on the sticks and play until probably about one in the morning. Oh, Trev. And then get up around eight to take my my son to school, um, and yeah. So uh, I'm 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 okay with seven hours of sleep. I mean, right now I've been on the NBA 2K kick, but I would obviously be on the college football video game kick um, all the time if that was the case. I mean, Tom, I you and I have actually done streams of of the college football video game during during this last summer yeah. when Utah football wasn't playing. 
Yeah. So, so okay, to fill people in, EA Sports announced, it must have been Monday. Uh, it must have been on Monday, I should say. It was earlier this yeah. week that they're going re- to return the, the college football game uh, back to, the, to their consoles. So, uh, look, very little detail surrounds the release. This is what I've figured out, you know, through, through following other people that, that have sources. I guess 2023 is when they're hoping to release the game. So it's not going to be for a couple of years. So, so for all you, you gaming junkies out there, just, just calm down. Uh, you're going to have to wait a couple of years, but, but you will eventually get the college football game back. Uh, and I think a few things have to play out, Trev. Uh, the player likeness uh, issue that the NCAA's faced now for multiple years, they're going to have to figure out a way to sort that out uh, because the reason the reason the game left us in the first place to fill everybody in is there was a, a lawsuit that uh, a few people uh, or former players um, issued because, you know, they weren't getting paid for their likeness. And that's an issue. If you're going to make money off me, then I at least deserve a little compensation. And, and so that's kind of why the game stopped in and of itself. But now that player likeness is returning or it's going to be allowed, um, brings back the game, Trev. So, I mean, like this broke the internet for a full day um, earlier this week. What was your reaction? Well, obviously 2021 is already better than 2020. I'll say that mm. right now. But uh, as far as, so I, I did a little more digging because I was really excited about this. So I, I was reading some stories and ESPN caught up with the uh, G, uh, vice president, I think, and general manager of EA Sports. And basically what they're going to do the name, image, and likeness outcome is not going to impact the game. What oh, okay. also was was part of it, Tom, is that teams, so college programs, were having their logos and brand used in the game without compensation. So oh. what they did, they went and partnered up with the licensing people um, that that handle all of that back work as far as dealing with the brands and the names. So there, there were already some schools who were initially on that, because, like, for instance, NBA 2K, you have a my, my career mode and to where you, you know, create a guy and, and then you go through playing at the high school level, but then you get to choose college. There's only a few colleges you get to choose, like UConn, um, Clemson, USC. Um, you know, it's probably 10 schools the most that you get to pick. And so, obviously, that's not going to be enough for a video game, for a college football video game. Um, so, they went and partnered with them. So, that part's going to be fine. Of what you could do is just do random player names and numbers for these programs if the name, image, and likeness does not um, pan out in their favor. Um, right. I think it will. I mean, we've all, we've all thought that it will. It's just a matter of, you know, when it's going to happen. And it was supposed to happen, but then COVID hit. Right. But to say that I am excited is an understatement for this game. Um, I, I told my wife because I have an Xbox one. I don't have the Xbox series X or the PS five or anything like that. I mean, Tom, we, we, we work in sports media. We're, we're broke. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you actually probably could use your, your paycheck that you got from the, from the New York jets to buy you a new console. Right. Oh, $86.83, Trevor. I still remember you keeping that check, just keeping it pinned up on your desk. Um, but I was telling my wife, I said, look, I got to get a new Xbox now. She's like, no, you already have one. And, and she's like, why do you need one? I said, because the new college football video game is coming out, and it's only coming out on Xbox Series X and PS5. 
And so I wouldn't be able to play. But then I told her, I said, it's looking like 2022, 2023. She's like, okay, well then you can save up. So Tom, I'm going to need to talk to Nate Dowdle, our boss about getting some overtime because mm. I need that Xbox Series X. Yes, Trev, you got to feed. By 2023, let's do it. Feed the beast. Yes. Let's do yes. this. Oh, so what about you, Tom? Are you, I mean, I know, I know that you came onto the college football scene. You, you came over to the U.S. to play college football. Mm. But were, were you into the video games much when, when, when you came over or, or even before you came over to the United States? No, I like I like a, a good old video game. I, I was in FIFA, the soccer game, for a long time. Basically, the majority of my life, my brothers and I would just spend hours screaming and punching each other over the, the, the video game, the FIFA. And uh, I don't play it as much now, I will admit. Uh, Especially because I mean, of the kid, right? Yeah, the kid had a play in that. Yes, it does uh, I do mean, that. There's a golf game I like a lot, NBA 2K. I can, I can hang in Madden. You know, it's all fun and games. In fact... I when I first got to the states, the NCAA video game was still going around. I do remember playing it. Um, I think you were on it. Well, maybe, yeah. I can't quite. Because I can't quite that, remember. that because that that last edition came out on 20, in 2013 yeah. for the 2014 season. So you were at Utah, right? Yeah, I would have been ranked probably about a 32 with uh, maybe uh, nah, ten. You would have you would have been like a 98 as far as coughing, kicking, and all that stuff. Whatever oh. the accolades are for punters. <laughs> Oh, it's funny no stuff. But, Other than the accuracy and the power. I know. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, I'm, I am looking forward to it without question. I'm not nearly as giddy as maybe yourself because you grew up on the game. But but by all means, I'm going to buy the game and I'm going to play it and I'm going to take Utah to the heights that Carl Whittingham cannot. And we'll be on our I've merry way. Done that on, on this last game. I've already got a, a, a dynasty going on on. 2014 because I, I still have my my older xbox as well right. which is what that that game's for and i mean i guess i held on to it for good reason um it's it's still hanging in there i'm surprised because at times like when the fan starts blowing it sounds like a car that's needing to go to the shop um so it's it's on its last leg that xbox is not not my xbox one but um i let's just say i beat saban's record even now for most national titles with utah Nice, nice. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, all right, Trev. There's a there's a fair bit to unpack there. I think we've hit everything that we were planning on. I do want to reiterate, Crimson Corner Podcast is where you can hear Trevor uh, more in depth. It's his podcast. It's Utah centric. If you're a Utah basketball fan, that's the venue that you need to be attending. That's the space because we don't touch on Utah basketball. On this podcast, he does on that one, as well as football stuff. So Crimson Corner Podcast, found wherever you download your podcasts, castlesports.com is another website we recommend you go into. Trev, what's your your your, your Twitter handle? At Trevor A Sports as well, right? Correct. Cool. So check him out there. You can see all of his work. It's great stuff. He's the Utah insider for castlesports.com. Does a tremendous job. So he would appreciate your uh, your follow, but um, nonetheless, Trev, we, uh, we we appreciate you, man, and uh, thank you for jumping on uh, and filling in for for old Bartle. We hope Bartle is back with us sooner rather than later. Um, and of course, Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor, so we thank and adore them um, much. But Trev, my man, enjoy enjoy the rest of your week, dude. Dreaming about college football live or whatever they're going to call this thing. Just keep dreaming. 
I might need to email them some ideas of, of, of how the game should run. Um, but no, Tom, it, I, I was flattered when you invited me to uh, fill in for Steve. I know that those are big shoes to fill, literally and figuratively. Mm. But, uh, you know, I'm happy to make my It's Utah's World podcast debut. You're a good man, Trev. We'll see you guys next week.